You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. I've been blessed over the past, I mean, really most of my life, but certainly the last several years, uh, my family has had a, a unique blessing. Uh, my family, uh, my parents moved from Atlanta to Lake Oconee several years ago, and uh, my kids have been able to enjoy the lake for most of their life. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure if they can remember life without a lake. Well, one of the trips that we went out there, I actually took a group of high school students uh, to the lake, and at this lake, there is a large rock that you can jump off of, and, and it, I'm talking like large, uh, 15, 20 feet in the air. And we take this group out there, and of course, it's a bunch of high school boys, and where they go, man, let's go jump off of it. They're like trying to do backflips and front flips. We're like, huh, you can do it with your parents. You're not dying on my hands. So just jump, right? Well, at the time, my son is with me. I think he's maybe five. I'm pretty sure he's four at this point. And like a lot of boys, when you see the older boys do it, what do you go? Man, I've got to do that. Now, my son is four, right? He has curly hair, and he is still very much, it feels like to me, a toddler. And he looks at me and goes, Dad, I want to jump off this rock. And I'm going, there's no chance. Like, I am, I am very adventurous. But there is no chance I'm letting you. And he just keeps at it. He keeps at it. And I'm like, okay, sure, I give in. Let's do it, right? Let's go there. So uh, I'm not going to let him do it by himself because um, I, I may be uh, crazy, but I'm not dumb. So... Uh, I say, let's go get in. So we get out of the boat. We, we start swimming to the rock. And the whole time I'm telling him, like, hey, here's how you jump off the rock. Like, it's not a cliff. So it kind of does have a little bit of a slope. So you gotta, you got to jump this way. You've got to make sure you're fully committed. Like, fully committed. You can't kind of run and stop because if you do, you'll probably slip. And, you know, hospitals nowhere here because we're in the middle of a lake. So you got to do this. So we start the kind of ascension. We start climbing up. And it's not an easy climb. Uh, for a four-year-old or a 30-whatever-year-old I was at the time. And we get to the top of this rock. And I think I've jumped off a couple of times at this point, but not an expert by any means. And I look at the rock, and I go, dude, this is high. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there is, wow, okay. And Micah is just, like, shaking, you know, kind of holding my hand. But the boys in front of us, they're going. Like, there's no fear because they're 16, and, you know, they can never die, because that's what 16-year-old boys think, right? Like, there's nothing that could ever go wrong, uh, and I'm watching them go, and it's, we're like moving up the line, it's like six flags, right? Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, everything, you, the, the pressure is building, and I look at him, I go, hey, you have to fully commit, and so we run, we jump, and I pretty much like think I throw him, because I'm like, there's no chance he's going to stop, so I'm just going to grab his hand, and we're just going to slingshot him out there, and he's got a life vest on, and, and all goes well. But there's one thing that I, I kind of learned from that story, and I think it really applies to what Jesus is teaching us here today, is that you have to commit. Like, you, you, you can't put kind of one toe in the water. When Jesus looks at these men in this moment, he says, you have to leave everything and follow me. He, he didn't say, hey, make sure you got your affairs in order. Make sure that everything is ready to go. Leave everything and follow me. The title of my sermon today is Leave Everything, Gain Everything, if you're taking notes. Leave Everything, Gain Everything. Today, we're in this passage where Jesus is calling us to commit. 
If you're looking for renewal or, or a revival in your life, what I hope that you'll see in this passage, passage is that you need to see that God is calling you to leave the world behind you and to follow Him. And once we surrender to Him, once we worship Him fully and embrace all that He has for us, He breathes fresh air into our lungs. He breathes vibrance and life into our souls. So leave everything to gain everything. Let's break down this text together. Verse 1. So it says, On occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by this lake. Now, the first thing that we need to, to see in this verse as we've been walking through the book of Luke is that Jesus' fame was becoming a new problem. So by this point, a lot of people are getting to know this Jesus of Nazareth. And his fame was becoming a kind of a new problem because it was something he had to logistically work through as he went to places. And what we're going to see in our life in the same way is that as God moves and things grow, problems move in as well. So we don't need to look at problems as this thing that is a sign of brokenness. Sometimes problems are a sign of growth. Think, think about in life. Think about money, right? As you gain, as the rapper said, mo' money, you get what? Mo' problems. And some of you are like, did we just say that in church? Yes, we did. As, as, as money grows and wealth grows, oftentimes problems come alongside of that. Look at professional athletes and, and really famous stars. As they get more money, more problems often come their way. You probably heard it said, if you can't handle a dollar, you can't handle a million dollars. And so more money doesn't always necessarily fix your problems. Sometimes more money causes more problems. Think about work. You've been really wanting that promotion at your job, right? Maybe because you want the respect. Maybe you want the authority. Maybe it's money. Whatever it is, you've been kind of comfortable and you like your job. You're nailing your job. And so your boss says, man, you're doing such a good job. Let's give you a new job, right? Now, Think about that. You're killing it over here. Let's give you a new job. Just because you're killing it here doesn't always mean that you're going to kill it here, does it? I mean, some of, some of us get promoted outside of our skill set. Let's just be honest, right? That is, that's, not a, that's not a knock. Sometimes you were just meant to be this job over here, and yet somehow, because you did this so well, we think that all of a sudden you can do this, and so you get into this new job, this new promotion, and you've outkicked your coverage, and you can't handle it. We think sometimes more kids, oh, more kids will be better because when they grow up, they'll, they'll play with each other and they'll, they'll, this one will be able to help this one out. And for those of you who have a lot of kids, you go, more kids is more problems. Like, certainly there's a fuller heart and there's a lot of thing, great things that come from that, but the more people that you manage in your house, you have more problems. Now, ultimately, that may still be a pro for you, but some people are going, that's a con. I don't need any more kids in my life. It is what it is. I, I can give you another example from our church. Over the past year, year and a half, God has done some amazing things. For those of you that have had a seat at the table and you've seen firsthand what God has done, it's just a great season. This past year, in 2022, we baptized more people last year than we baptized in the previous four years combined. Amen, church? Right? That's, that's amazing. God's good. We, we've had more people attending this year than we've had in the previous five years. But here's the thing. With growth comes problems. We need more ministry leaders more than ever. We need more volunteers. I was just talking about with our Wednesday night Bible study how we need more people serving with our children. We need more pe people serving in our all-stars and our treehouse. We need more ministry leaders. 
So I feel like sometimes we come to church and all you ever hear is somebody go, oh, volunteer, volunteer. I need you to lead, right? Like, yes, I am your paid pastor. But you know what Ephesians tells me to do? To equip you to do the work. Ephesians doesn't say, Chris, you're the paid pastor, so do all the work, and they're just going to come and sit and listen to you and go pay some other people so they can do the more work, and you just sit and listen. Church, no. It says, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so we together, as we grow, you know what that means? There's more possibilities for you to function in the gifts that God has given you. I'm not asking you to step out of what God has gifted you. I'm asking you to step into it. I asked the group on Wednesday night, what is your ministry? And I'm sure most of them are going, what are you talking about? But we need to start answering that question. If you're a Christ follower in this room, you know what God has given you? A ministry. Paul says in the letter to Corinth, if nothing else, he's given you a ministry of reconciliation. Those fish on those seats, that's your job. You've been called to be a fisher of men. And we need to stop looking at problems and at situations that make us uncomfortable that aren't for good. Sometimes problems are an opportunity for God to use you. Think about that in your life. Think about that in your work, your parenting, your money, whatever it is. As, as problems come, we oftentimes go, I don't like problems, it's ugly, it's this, that, and the other. And yet God is sitting there going, I've given you this problem so that I can use you through it. Are you letting him? Are you letting him use you in our church, in your workforce, in your parenting? Are you serving Jesus? So Jesus, in this first verse, is experiencing logistical issues. But like God always does, he makes a way. Verses 2 and 3 says this. He sees two boats and the, the fishermen are off cleaning their nets, kind of implying that they've worked all night. And then verse 3 says, Jesus gets in one of those boats, which was Simon Peter's, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and he begins to teach the people. Think back to the last problem that you had. Maybe it was this morning, maybe it was last night. Think back to the last problem that you faced in your life. I would be willing to bet you that you looked for a resolution and answer to that problem outside of the current situation. What I mean is one of our first responses to the problem at hand is a desire for something that we don't have. One of our first responses, generally speaking, to a problem that comes and shows itself to us is to desire for something that isn't already here. But yet Jesus shows us a different thing. Jesus shows us that the answer may already be there. You just have to look for it. Did Jesus create a boat? No. The problem is he's got too many people, and so he's got to get to a place where he can get kind of away from them because they're closing in on him, and so he can teach. Does he all of a sudden breathe a boat? Does he, you know, fly and just hover there? No. What does he do? He says, oh, look, there's a boat right there. Here's a creative solution. I'm going to get in this boat, and I'm going to push off a little bit, and I'm going to begin to teach. Think about what we do in our areas of life when problems come. In our relationships, when problems come, sometimes we're just like, hey, I need a different thing. I need something else. This isn't working, so I'm going to leave this relationship and I'm going to go search for the next thing. Because the answer can't already be here. Because I wouldn't have problems if the answer was here. 
Or, or, or about this, when we complain in our relationships, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe it's even a friendship, we complain about what isn't present. You don't do this enough. You don't do that enough. You're not this for me. How often do we slow down and recognize what is present? You know what I'm saying? What are they doing? How are they loving you, being there, being a good friend, being a good spouse? Or issues at work. We're probably all guilty of this at some point. Hopefully my staff is not, but we're going, man, I just need a different boss, right? I just need somebody else in leadership because that guy or that girl, they don't know what they're talking about. Maybe you're in leadership. Maybe you are the boss and you're going, I just need a different staff. If I just had this thing over here, then we could do this. I don't say that, staff. I love you. Maybe you say at work, ah, if I didn't have to do X. See, we're looking for solutions outside of what is already in us and what is around us. We're always looking for greener grass. And here's the reality. God has solutions to the problem right where you are. See, right now, God has given you everything you need to do what he has called you to do right now. Right now, God has given you everything you need to do what he has called you to do right now. And this is shown in Jesus right here. There's a problem. And Jesus could very easily snap his fingers, do a miracle, and provide a solution. But what does he do? He looks around, he takes a moment, he goes, hey, Here's a solution to the problem. And we need to look at this as an example for us to lean in to the problems that God has given us, not as this suffering moment, but maybe as a moment for us to grow and trust and open our eyes and see how God would use us. Jesus has a problem. He grabs a boat. He pushes out. Where are the boats in your problems? Are you looking for them? Or are you always looking for something outside of the problem? Well, if I just had this. You talk about more money, more problem, right? We typically, generally speaking, when we have an issue, what do we do? Man, if I just had a little bit more money. I say that. I'm guilty. If I just had this. If I just had that. And right here, Jesus points us to this kind of content work. That God is all that we need. He provides honey in the rock. Now in this next little portion, this next little pericope in, in, in the text, Jesus is going to present a problem very subtly. So we're going to kind of shift, because problem number one's already been solved, but there's another problem that he, he's going to present. And then in a bold, glorious way, what he's going to do is he's going to give a creative solution both to the fishermen and to me and to you. So what is the situation? Well, let's, let's figure out what's going on here. So the fishermen had fished all night. And what does the Scripture say? They caught... N- yeah, interactive, it's okay. <laughs> Nothing. They didn't catch one fish. Now imagine going to work and you worked all day. Some of you are like, this is my life, right? But you go to work and you get done and they go, yeah, we're not going to pay you today. You'd be pretty frustrated, Right? Like you would be very upset. And this is a situation that the fishermen are finding themselves in. They fished all night. They spent time away from their friends, away from their family, probably in in a situation they don't really want to necessarily be in. And they are cleaning out their nets when Jesus finds them because they have 
caught nothing. They have made no money, essentially. So they have no way to provide. And then Jesus comes up and gives a command. He says, put out your nets. Now, I mean, put yourself in those fishermen's shoes. I'm looking at Jesus like, bro, who are you? Right? Like, who? I've just fished this hole all night. I may or may not know about some of the famedom that comes with your name, Jesus, but here's the reality, bro. I know fishing. Why don't you just stick to carpentry or teaching the Bible or something? And you go, oh, I would never say that to Jesus. Well, this isn't the Jesus that you know now, right? This is the Jesus then, and you might not have the full picture, and I guarantee you, you would probably think something like that. If not, say it. Some of you are introverted, so you're not going to say it. You're just going to be passive-aggressive about it. But here's the thing. Like, he comes to put out, hey, I know you've worked all night. Go ahead and put your nets out. But amazingly, what do they do? In faith, they follow him. And this is a lesson for us. I'm not going to go down it, but when we follow God, he provides. Right? That's what you see in this moment. They follow him. He provides. And then after he provides, they recognize who he is. And he says, leave everything and follow me. Leave everything and follow me. Here's what's happening. These fishermen had found their security and their identity in their performance. See, when they, when they caught fish, what happens? They were provided for. They got paid. And when they got paid, they could do what? They could support their life. They could support their lifestyle. They could support their family. And they didn't need anyone or anything else because they provided for themselves. Now, I want to be clear. We are called to provide. So I don't think Jesus, through Luke in this moment, is saying that you don't have to work to provide. You should work. You've been called to work. You were actually created to work. That's actually pre-fall. You were created to do that. But I think what the Holy Spirit through Luke is saying is that we need to stop looking for provision from ourselves and we need to look for provision from the Lord. We're looking in the wrong place for provision. Provision comes from Him and not your works. I can go through text after text, but Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need of yours according to your work, your standing, all the things that you do. No, according to His riches in Christ Jesus. We have been instructed to work. We have been instructed to follow Him. And what He is teaching in this moment is that we, know, we need to know that everything that we get comes from Him. Not the sweat off your brow, not the blood, not the hard work that you've put out. No, it's from Him. And He's teaching us kind of a deeper message that we need to leave behind this sinful belief that you could ever be the solution to the problem. You need to leave behind the sinful belief that you could ever be the solution to the problem. See, here's the problem. Here's what he's teaching us. Our problem is the idolatry of ourselves. And it rears its ugly head in several different ways. But specifically in this text, he reveals it through provision and through money. Let's talk about money. Let's go there on Baptism Sunday. Let's go, right? Tithing, giving. 
I think in a lot of ways, when, when, we, when we bring this up, when we look at this idea of money, we go one of two things. We, we go, I worked really hard for my money, so I want to make sure I'm making wise decisions. And right now, I can't really do this thing because of that. And, and so we're telling ourselves we're trying to be good stewards. But then we always into this second place. We don't give to the church because we don't think we have enough. We don't give to the church because we don't think we have enough. The fishermen had fished that spot all night. There wasn't anything there. Jesus says, drop your nets. And all of a sudden, his blessings came and they were provided for, and they worshiped through obedience, and God blessed them. Now, listen, I don't need you to take this out of context. I am not telling you to start giving to the church, and then all of a sudden your bank account's going to be filled like the nets of those fishermen. I, I don't think that's anywhere in Scripture. I do believe that when Jesus in this moment is looking at the fishermen and says, leave everything and follow me, he is very much saying, leave all your ideas of how you can provide for yourself and let me provide for you. Stop trusting in your money and trust in me. Stop trusting in yourself to provide money and trust in me. And over and over again throughout Scripture, we see that God calls us to give. Malachi 3.7, this is the only place in Scripture where God tells you to test him. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? God replies, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You are robbing me, God says. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he replies, in your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Jesus is looking at the Israelites and he's looking at us through this text and he's saying, test me. And in so many ways, he's saying, trust me. Come to me with all that you have. Lay down your yoke, your heavy burden, and take on mine that is light and easy. And so when we talk about joy buckets, y'all are still awake, praise the Lord. We're talking about giving from a place of worship. Not a place of you have to. Not a place of uh, just a simple commandment where you don't really understand the full picture of grace that God has given you. When we give, we give out of the abundance of the heart that Jesus then gave us. When we give, it is worship. It is no different than when the band is up here and leading us in a song. It is no different than when we go out in the community and serve. It is no different when we proclaim the word of God. It is just a different mode of worship. And I think a lot of us have lost that thought. Maybe we never had it. But giving isn't something you do just because you go to church. 
He's called us. He's commanded us, if you look at this language and other language in the Scripture, to bring the tithe. Now, in the Old Testament, that's kind of a word for a tenth. And so you might be going, ah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's an Old Testament thing, Pastor Chris. We don't really have to do that anymore. Let's unpack that. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. So in the Old Testament, if you remember, when they enter into the Promised Land, there's 12 tribes. One tribe specifically, the Levites, are put over what? They're put over kind of the ministerial position of the people of God. And he doesn't give them land. What does he do? He says, the other 11 will tithe to then support you. Well, you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that was then, though. Jesus came, and he didn't come to abolish, but he came to fulfill. You're exactly right. So in the Old Testament, he talks about a tenth, but in the New Testament, what does every apostle and the Gospels point us to? That everything you have is his. A hundred percent is his. He's just letting you live off of some. So let's be literate in the Bible and understand what tithing is. It is an outward expression of the joy and worship that we have in Jesus, and it is our full trust in who he is. And he's called us to trust him. And that's what tithing is. It is a matter of trust. We are trusting him with our lives. We are also putting in place the potential of other idols, because if wealth is not mastered, wealth masters. Let me say that again. Wealth, if it is not mastered, wealth masters. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you are in the wealthy category just by simply being in this room and in our country. In the world's perspective, we are wealthy. And so we need to honor God with our wealth. This past year, we did a, a, a vision, I guess a couple of nights, where we gathered the church together and we go, hey, how are we going to grow in 2023? And I put, some, put together some statistics to help us grow, to help, our, to help us give perspective of where we are. And one of those statistics was that about 80% of our people who have a seat at the table give. That means people who call themselves members. 80% of people who have a seat at the table give. And I think a lot of people walked away going, man, we got a really generous church. Yes, but what I tried to make clear that I think we might have missed is that giving in that report, in that sense, meant $1 in the year of 2022. $1. So Jeremy Bulls gave a dollar in 2022. He's part of the 80%. If I gave $2, I'm still a part of the 80%. If you gave $200,000, bless you. No, I'm just kidding. You were part of that 80%. What we didn't look at is that about 30% of our folks who have a seat at the table, they are the only ones that give what we would consider to be a tithe. And how do you figure out what a tithe is? Well, the average median income, I, I just, you know, I said that word twice. Yes, average median. So the average, average income in making is 40000 bucks. So if you gave 4000 in 2022, or more, you fall into that 30% category. And if you gave anything less than, you didn't. So 30% of our people gave 4,000 or more. Now, I don't know what you all do for a living, 
I, I, and I'm not sitting here judging. I don't go through the things and go, oh, look, they didn't give this. I don't, that's not my job. But here is what I would believe. In a room like this, the majority of our families, the overwhelming majority of our families, make a good amount more than 40000 And I think in so many ways, God is looking at us and saying, for those of you that didn't give a tithe, you're robbing me. Now here's the great thing about preaching expositionally. You're sitting here, why are we talking about giving on Baptism Sunday? Well, that's because that's where the text landed. Because we started Luke back in December. And so that's where we landed. And I think the the clarity and the clear conscience that it gives for me is that I didn't sit in my office and go, man, we really need to talk about money. I opened the text, and God said, we're going to talk about money. So after this moment, when Jesus has them catch a bunch of fish, and there's, there's more for two boats and all these, he says what? Leave everything and follow me. And what he's saying to you and to me today is that we need to leave everything. We need to leave this reliance on ourselves and we need to begin to rely on God. We need to leave behind this sinful belief that you could ever be the solution to the problem. And it goes even further because in the full picture of Jesus, in the full picture of you, your problem is that you cannot get relief from sin. There is no work that you could ever do to overcome it. You're guilty. It is what it is. But Jesus, the creator of the world, came down, left his throne, lived a perfect life, died, was buried, raised again three days later, and says, if you will trust me, if you'll turn from yourself, and you'll follow after me, I will give you a solution to the problem, and it is me. And so, yes, as much as this sermon is about giving, this sermon is much more about when we leave everything of this world, we gain everything in Christ. And that's what baptism represents for us. And that's why we gather as a church, because he's called us to something. I want to say this one quote, and then I'll land the plane. I read it earlier this week. It says, It is not so much that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. See, don't we twist that up? We, we, we think that so often that God has just a mission for his church while we're in this world. But yet, what has happened is that God has a church for his mission in the world. And if you're in Christ today, you've been called, you've been gifted to go serve in the mission. And if you're not, Here's your calling. Jesus says, come. Come. Leave everything and follow me. And so the band's going to come up, and, and what I want to do is I want to end in just a moment of reflection. We're not going to sing any more songs. We're just going to kind of play through something. I want to end in a moment of reflection, and I want to give you an opportunity to, to, to come to the altar and pray. I want to give you an opportunity to, to maybe give to the joy buckets. Woo-hoo. Round two is usually a little weaker. That was not bad, guys. Good. And I want, you to give, I want to give you an opportunity to write a name on that fish.
And so in just a second, the ushers are going to grab a couple buckets and they'll bring those down. And they're just going to put them on the front steps. If you want to come down and, and give into those, you can in response to worship and saying, God, I haven't been giving you my, my first fruits. I haven't been giving out of joy. I'm going to do that now. Maybe you just want to come down front to the altar to pray because you haven't been leaving everything else behind and following Him. You've been kind of focused on a lot of the other things of this world. And then the third thing is the fish in your seat. Those are, those are people that we're praying for that we know that don't have a... You can put them on the steps, guys. Those, those are people that, that we know in our lives that don't have a relationship with Jesus. God answers prayers. And so what we're doing is we're praying that God will save these people. That God will, through the power of His Holy Spirit, will bring them near. And so I think we've got some pins in the back. The ushers will pass those out if you need a pin. This is just a, a moment of responsive worship. If, if you'd like somebody to pray for you, talk, talk about next steps, you can come seek out one of our pastors. Pastor Jeremy's down front. Pastor Mateo's down front. I'll be down front here in just a moment. We'd love to talk with you about giving your life to Jesus. We, we've even got stuff for baptisms set up. So like if you came going like, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus and get, and get dunked right now, i got to change the clothes for you. And, and we can do that today, right now. i got everything you need. we got showers in the back when you're done. This is our moment to respond to Him. So whatever you're dealing with, if you don't want to deal with it that, I guess, forward, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. And you can take your phone out, and you can scan that QR code, and there's next steps. Talking about how to join the church, how to get baptized, how to begin to serve, how to give, whatever that is for you. I, I want to call us to a place of response. Because Jesus asks us a question, leave everything and follow me. And I don't know about you, but it's pretty rude if somebody asks you a question, you don't answer it. So you're going to answer it one way or the other, right? You can either gonna sit in that chair and do nothing, or you can respond. So let me pray, and we'll give you a couple minutes to respond in whatever way God's leading you. Holy Spirit, fall down on this place. Call us to repentance, whether it's needed repentance. Convict us. Show us the areas that we've been holding back and we haven't been giving to you. God, we don't, we don't desire to be like those fishermen who second-guess your calling. But we want to be like those fishermen at the end who have seen the revelation of who you are and we drop our nets and we follow you. God, soften our hearts to this giving topic in our, in our lives. We can become so closed that we're not open to see the blessings that you have before us, to see the calling that you have in our lives. We've got scar tissue from, from previous churches or from previous situations in life, and we're going, well, now we need this money to provide, but yet your word tells us time and time again that you are our provider. You provide manna in all situations. Lord, Lord, if there's someone in earshot today that hasn't given their lives to you, that hasn't seen the, the weight 
and the depravity of who they are, the sin in their life. God, I'm praying for conviction. I'm praying for resurrection power. I'm praying that you will move in their lives and in their hearts in such a way that they can't stay seated. But God, that they will respond with joy and they will stand up and they will shout that he is king of my life. Here is much water, God. Make much of it in our lives. What is causing us to respond to you, may you remove it. Church, this is your time. Go ahead and respond. The altar's open.